Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. The word access is found three times, and only three times that I could find in the New Testament. Access. One such time is Romans chapter 5, verse 2, and it reads in the Passion Bible, our faith guarantees guarantees us a permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Notice there, leave it on the screen if you would, guys. Faith guarantees marvelous kindness and a perfect relationship. Incredible joy, hope of experiencing him. I want you to notice that. Faith, kindness, relationship, joy, experience. The word access here in the Greek means admission into God's presence or to render one acceptable to God. The act of bringing to a moving towards something or someone. The land which a sailor is approaching or seeming to approach him. Is the ship approaching the land or is it the land approaching the ship? Access. There are two applications by the Apostle Paul when dealing with this word. One is a nautical term, as we just mentioned, a ship approaching a harbor of rest, talking about access into God's presence. The second one is societal standing, my standing in society, access to a dignitary based on the standing and the favor of another. And we know that other to be Jesus Christ. So Paul talks about access into the presence of God. And it's like a ship approaching a harbor for rest. It's like a person that's been ushered in to the presence of greatness, but he is ushered in based on the favor and the standing of someone else and not himself. Favor, access. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25, we read at about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. Now you remember the story. Multitude put the disciples in the boat, sent them out into the Sea of Galilee. Jesus He dismisses the service. Then he goes up into the upper room on the mountain for prayer while the disciples are in the boat rowing, rowing, and they encounter the storm, fighting the storm. The storm is tough. The Bible even says that the storm was against them. It feels like sometimes you're in something and it's supernatural. Have you ever been in a storm you felt like it was demonic? Have you ever been in a storm you thought, you know, this isn't normal. This is beyond normality. And so they were in it. I mean, they were halfway into that lake, what, three, three miles wide, nine miles long. Or they're, well, they're, it's six miles wide, I believe. So they're three miles into it, nine miles long. And, and, and they're into it. I mean, they're fighting this thing. And that thing is fighting them. But the Bible says that suddenly, in the midst of what they thought was a demonic moment, Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Now, I've taught you this before, that they begin to cry out because they thought it was a ghost. 
during this time, they had what they thought were water ghosts. And so coming across this lake was Jesus, and they thought, that's a water ghost, and it scared them, scared them bad. Storms have a way of resurrecting all of our deep fears. Whenever things go bad, we have a tendency to say things like, where is God? Why is God letting this happen? What did I do wrong to deserve this? Suddenly, in the midst of a storm, our worst fears always are manifested. Our ghosts come out in the midst of a storm. But what I came here this morning uh, to tell you is that you have to realize that the very storm that you think is going to destroy you is the very thing that will bring God to you. The very storm that you think is going to swamp your boat is the very thing that will bring God to you. While in prayer this week, Holy Spirit dropped two things in my spirit. Number one, an open door. And number two, accessibility. And remember, we talking about access as a ship approaching a harbor of rest or a person that's ushered into the presence of greatness, a dignitary, based on the favor and the standing of someone else. And so I believe that during this season of closed doors, isolation, quarantine, closed doors, there is an open door in God's house. Let's call this the accessible one. Father, bless the reading of your word. Speak to us in Christ's name we pray and the church said amen. An open door. Revelation 3 verse 8. I see what you've done, Jesus speaking. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength, I know that. You used what you had to keep my word and you didn't deny me when times were rough. Two things real quick there. Number one, God has seen your faithfulness. And I want that to sink into everyone in this room and online. God has seen your faithfulness. And number two, he knows that your strength is depleted. Interacting with people in the city and in the church, listening to people across the nation, we all know that people are growing weary and tired. Their strength is depleted. My heart goes out to those around Corpus Christi this morning because they're having to deal with that, that storm in the midst of the COVID-19 and, and uh, the rioting in our streets and the presidential election that's coming, the stock market up and down and the economy and people losing their jobs and losing their businesses and just so much. And on top of all that, they've got to deal with that storm. Now, when that storm was in the Gulf, um, I never really thought it would be much and it, it hasn't been, but I was thinking I, we just can't take another storm right now. How many would agree with me that right now is not the time? What do we do as a city? What do I do as a council member, as a pastor with trying to house people, that trying to help people that uh, have to, that can't evacuate? Where do we put them? How do you deal with the COVID-19 and safe distancing and deal with the storm? How do we deal with a hurricane or flooding as we've done in the past? How do you navigate through that one in the midst of a pandemic. So this is not the time for a storm. And so I just want you to know this morning that God has seen your faithfulness, that you've stood your ground. And I want you to know that he recognizes that your, your strength is depleted. And Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. Now this isn't one of those times where I had a vision or a dream, but I felt that nudging of Holy Spirit, that whispers of God. 
And I felt Holy Spirit whispering to me that during this time of trouble, the Father has an open door policy. It's an open door. Now, I don't have time to go through the scriptures and point out every time, but we do know that there are times when God seems more accessible than he does other times. There are times when there's an open door policy. And I believe we're in such a time right now. Now, let's look back at Revelation chapter three and verse eight that we read. And let me just pull out real quick, just some things I want you to chew on and your private devotion. Number one, he said, I have seen what you've done. I want you to know that you've gained the attention of heaven. You've gained the attention of heaven. He said, you've been faithful to me. You've been faithful to my word. And I want you to know right now that doesn't go unnoticed. Now, I want to tell you from experience, from years, from years of running the race and fighting the fight, when you are faithful to hit his word, I have preached and I will continue to preach the gospel as it was delivered to me from my forefathers. I will not compromise the message of the cross, the message of the blood, the infallible word of God, the virgin birth, the son of God as the one and only way. I will not compromise those messages. I won't do it. And so God sees that and he says, you've been faithful to my word and I have not denied his name. We walk in integrity and principle and we do the best we can to walk in righteousness, not perfection. I can't be perfect, but I surely can be righteous. Do it the right way. And so God said to the church here, he said, I've noticed this. I want you to know you capture the attention of heaven when you do things the right way. He said, now see what I've done. The father is making himself vulnerable to you. Now you need to hear that. If you've been faithful to his word and you have not denied his name, you need to know that God is saying to you right now, I am making myself vulnerable to you. I will reveal myself to you in this season of an open door policy. God is giving us an invitation to walk through an open door and he is saying, I'm gonna make myself vulnerable to you. I'm gonna invite you into the king's chamber. I'm gonna bring you into a, a place of privacy and I am going to reveal myself to you. You need to understand that during these times like this, when trouble is on every hand, God will make himself more accessible to his people that have been faithful to his word and true to his name. He will, he will make himself more accessible. He said, I've seen what you've done. Now watch what I'm going to do. Watch it. You, you have to be reminded that the love of God is unconditional. No matter what you do or don't do, you can't change the way God feels about you. He loves you, but his blessings are conditional. He said, if you do this to Israel, I'll do that. If you'll be faithful to me, I'll bless you. And that's what we're talking about, that during this time of trouble, when it's pulling on you on every side and it's a tough fight, if you hold true, if you stand strong, if you keep your righteousness, if you keep the word, if you stay true to his nature, true to his name, true to his character, you walk in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit uh, of character. If you stay there, that's why, oh, I've said to you so much over the last several months in this pandemic, let us be careful how we conduct ourselves. Let us be careful with the words of our mouth. I said it to you a while back. Let us be careful how we handle ourselves during this time because this is a time of trial and testing and God is watching. God is watching. So let us guard the words of our mouth. 
Let us guard where our feet take us and what our hands touch. Let us guard. Not only guarding against the COVID-19 virus, but the virus of divisiveness and hatred and that mean spirit that I see across this land that's turning neighbor against neighbor, friend against friend, people leaving churches over disagreements, over masks and guidelines and is it a conspiracy or is it fact or fiction? We have to be careful because God is watching. And God says during this time, for those that remain faithful, I will show them something. He said, I've opened a door to you, an open door, not an open heaven. Now, this is something for me, for now, for us. Don't build a doctrine out of it. But he said, I've opened a door to you, to the individual. He didn't say an open heaven to the group. So I am telling you, I believe that there's a revival that's coming. Rather, it's one year, 10 years. I, there is a revival coming to America. I believe that with all my heart. I pray it's in my lifetime. I think it is soon upon us. That is an open heaven. I've lived under an open heaven before. I was talking to someone just the other day that from 95 to 2000, while I was in Austin and in Columbus, Ohio, I saw more miracles than any other time in my ministry. It's because I was under an open heaven during that revival, that season of revival. I saw tumors disappear, saw revival, saw move of God, saw miracles, an open heaven. But I'm not talking about an open heaven right now. That's a sovereign act of God. The heavens will open and God pours out his spirit. What I'm talking about is an open door for the individual. How many believes that right now in the midst of this season we're in, you can have a personal revival? that you yourself can go into the king's chamber, that you as an individual, listen, the, the church world right now may be groping, but listen, I can go in, I can go in. You've got to get that in your spirit. You can go in. You've got to hear that today. You can go in. There's an open door. He said, I've seen what you've done. Now watch what I do. And I'm going to open a door for you. Not talking about open heaven right now. I'm talking about an open door. And I'm constantly, constantly looking for that open door. I'm constantly in prayer, like watching, looking. Where's that open door? Show me, Father, the open door. He said, I have put an open door before you. He said, this door, again, Revelation 3, 8, no man can shut. No man can shut. No man can shut. Understand that access is not governed by the decisions of others. Let others deny him. Let others forsake him. Let others decide this is not real. That's not real. Let everybody, let whoever do whatever. But there's an open door before you and you can walk into his presence. I'm telling you church this morning, there's an open door. And God is saying to you as an individual, you can go in if you want to go in. Open door. Then he said, you don't have much strength. He was speaking to this church. Was it the church of Philadelphia? He's speaking to the church and saying, look, you, you don't have much strength. Now, theologians go back and forth about what that means, but there are those who believe, and I tend to agree with it, that he was saying to this church, you're a small church. You're not a mega church. You don't have a lot of resources, and you may not feel like your influence is far-reaching. You don't have a lot of strength as a body. You're not strong. You're not powerful as other churches are. He said, I've seen that you don't have a lot of strength. I just want you to know this morning that this open door that you can go through, your religious status is not a determining factor. Now, you need to hear that right now. 
You need to hear that. That during this season of trouble, that our Father has opened the door to people, to the individual who can go in. And you can say, well, that's for spiritual giants, or that's for a pastor, or that's for, you know, the, 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 uh, the intercessors, or that's for people that are, you know, no, listen, this is an open door. And anyone can walk through that door. Anyone, regardless of your religious status. He said to that church, I know you're small. I know you feel insignificant. It's like I preached last Sunday. The difference between the Roman, excuse, yeah, the Roman centurion, who was a man of greatness, and the widow of Nan, who was insignificant. God was so kind to include both stories. I appreciate that because I have a tendency to lean towards that widow of Nan feeling that I'm insignificant and I'm not important. But God walked all night long to get to that little insignificant widow woman and to intervene in her situation. And so I'm here this morning to tell everybody on campus, online, that feels insignificant, you feel small and insignificant, I'm here to tell you that God says the door's for you. An open door. The Father has made his throne room accessible to those with disabilities. Disabilities. What is your disability? What is it? You feel like I failed, I have regrets, I've been through a divorce, I've had an abortion, I've had addictions, I've got, what is your disability? What do you, what do you feel is holding you back? What do you believe is limiting you? I'm not making, I'm not condoning sin, not doing that, but how many of you would admit that you have a disability? What is it that you feel restricts you and limits you and holds you back and you feel like you don't measure up? I'm telling you, God's throne room. God's throne room. He's made it accessible to those with disabilities. When you approach the throne room of heaven, there's that blue sign on there that says, you got a disability, come on in. Come on in. We're, we're handicapped friendly. Come on in. And I'm here to tell you on campus and online that God's throne room is handicapped friendly. That you can get in with all your stuff, with all your luggage, with all your junk, with all your past, with all your regrets, with all your mistakes. I'm telling you that right now in the midst of a pandemic, when all the doors are slamming shut in the house of God, there's an open door and God is saying, come on in. This is for you. Repeat after me, the Lord is my doorkeeper. You know why that's important? Because people will stand at the door of the church and they'll stop people, they'll screen people, they'll check people. No, you're not good enough. You're not the right person. You're not the one we want. You're not welcome. You're not going to measure up. You're not, you're not, you're not. Aren't you glad that God is your doorkeeper? Aren't you glad that on the job where other people must say, you shouldn't get the promotion, they don't get to decide that. Aren't you glad that in life where people will try to hold you down, push you down, restrict and limit you, shove you back, aren't you glad that they're not the ones that have the key of David and they're not your doorkeeper? Jesus said, I have the key of David and I'll open a door to you that no man can slam shut. I don't care their opinion. I don't care what they think about you. I don't care how they feel about you. When I get ready to promote you, baby, you're going to the top. You're going to get the corner office with a great view because the Lord 
characteristics of a door. We're talking about during a time where the Lord says there's an open door and I'm calling you in individually. You got to make the decision on your own. Listen, I said this here a few weeks ago. If the pandemic and the quarantine and the isolation and all the stuff we're doing, if it, if it teaches, if there's anything we learn out of this is that we've got to learn how to be more dependent on him. You've got to learn to worship by yourself, feed yourself, raise your family, take care of yourself. You've got to do that. God will take the rug and snatch it out from under us. Just jerk away all the supports that we have to teach us to be more dependent on him. I love the worship team. And boy, they can make it awful easy for me to go into the presence. But you have to learn how to do that by yourself too. I love good preaching from the pulpit, but you better learn how to feed yourself. I love programs at the church, but you better learn how to raise your own kids. Listen, we've got to learn these things. And during this, this pandemic, we've got to understand, you know, the characteristics of a door, okay? And what this means that God is saying, come on in as an individual. You, you don't have to go in with, with everyone else. You go in by yourself, okay? Characteristics of a door. An open door means access to private matters. Private matters. Private matters. It means privilege. Privilege. When you have someone come by your house, typically you scurry about trying to pick up everything and trying to take it and shove it in one of the bedrooms and then you slam the door shut and your intention is to keep them out of that particular room. Come on. You do it and you know you do it. We all want to make everybody believe that our home is always perfect. And so, but when people, when people invite you into their home and uh, it's scheduled and they open the door to you and they usher you in, they'll take you through their house. They'll say, let me take you on a tour of my home because they know everybody wants to see how everyone else lives. I don't know what we think is different the last time I looked, your toilet is just oval shaped as mine. But somehow we all think we got a different toilet. But that's not true. We all live the same. But we'll go through house, you know, we'll go through the house and we want to look at people's bedrooms and their closet and see how orderly it is and how many shoes does she have. And, and uh, you know, and, and we want to go, you know, come on guys, quit looking at me like it. You know I'm telling the truth. You've probably gone to people's house before and snooped around and tried to look into people's closet without them knowing. That's just, that's human nature. We all want to see how everyone else lives. We're all convinced that everyone else lives differently, but we all live the same. It's a privilege. And the father says with an open door, he is saying, I'm inviting you in to a private place. This is a privilege for him to invite us into an open door. It's a privilege. Number two, an open door means access to resources. It's a place of enlargement. To be invited into a person's world and to draw from their resources, their wisdom, their knowledge, to draw from all that they have available to you enlargement. It will enlarge you. That's why I tell the staff all the time, when you get an appointment with somebody, go in prepared. 
Don't waste their time. Have your notes, number one, number two, number three, number four. Don't waste their time. Time is valuable. That's why we call it an hourly wage. We pay you for your time. So don't waste people's time. When you go into a meeting, know what you're going to ask, know what you're going to ask for, get it lined out and go in there and, and, and just get it done. And then when you're done, you're done, get up and leave. Be respectful. You see, when you're, when you're invited into a man, into a woman's world, it's, it takes you into a place of enlargement. Do you understand God wants to enlarge your life? God wants to enlarge you. He wants you to live out loud and to live big. Because then and only then can you bring glory to his name. If you can do it by yourself, it may not be worth doing. Show me the size of your dreams and I'll show you the size of your God. And so God wants us to dream big. He wants us to dream big. He wants to enlarge us. He wants us to have a vision for our life, to have a sense of destiny, to live with that sense. He wants to enlarge you. So when God invites you in through the door, he's inviting you into a place of enlargement. An open door means access to change. It's opportunity. How many right now, don't raise your hand. There are people in the room and on the on, and online who are fighting depression, anxiety. There are people that are struggling with their finances. There are people right now that are struggling with fear. And there are people that are struggling with anger and bitterness because of all the restrictions and limitations and what's happening in this nation. And they struggle with that. Brother against brother, friend against friend, family member against family member. This church is being torn apart over racial tension and over the COVID-19, over the presidential election over the economy and what the answer is for that, this nation is being torn apart. People are fighting anger and fear and bitterness. Right now, right now, think about that. Think of where we are right now as a nation and what it is that we're facing and how the enemy is using that. Access brings opportunity for change. This is a moment for people to change. How many would like to move from depression to joy, from anger to forgiveness, from anxiety to peace? You understand a door creates, creates access to change. We understand that a gate, a door is a point of transition. You move from one environment to the next environment. You can change. So understand that when God says to us, I have an open door before you, and this door is for everyone. Individually, you got to go though. You can't say, well, I can't, you know, I just can't wait to get to church on Sunday. No, you've got to learn to do this Monday through Friday. You've got to learn how to go through the doorway on your own. Now the day will come when it will be from, move from an open door to an open heaven. But for today, it's an open door. And you've got to learn how to move into God's presence on your own. But when you do that, it creates for you an opportunity for change, to change, to shake off the cares of this life. It's change. The last one, the characteristics of an open door. An open door means access is only one step away, one step, momentary. Do you understand that a door, a door, a threshold of a door, okay, it's not like a hallway where you've got to go away a hallway, okay? A threshold, it's just one step. 
and you're there. It's just momentary. I've said to you a thousand times, in a service or in life, whenever there's a window of opportunity, you better move or it'll close on you. Momentary. So you hear me this morning. I came here because I felt Holy Spirit dropped in my heart that during this season of trouble, that there is an open door in the house of God. And God is inviting you as an individual to step through that door and you better not linger and you better not wait because doors have a way of opening and doors have a way of closing. This is the season of the open door policy. And I believe God is saying to us, for whomsoever will, let him come and open door. Now let me talk to you about one more thing and then I'm done. Let me talk to you about not only is there an open door, but I want to talk to you about mercy's kiss. Mercy's kiss. Now, we find this in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Let me break it down for you real quick. Verse 14a, the first part of that verse. We must cling, say cling, cling, cling in faith to all we know to be true Jesus Christ who rose into the heavenly realm for us. Again, the word access means access to a dignitary based on the standing and the favor of another. I said to you here a few weeks ago that our praise lifts him and pulls us into that realm. Ephesians 2.6, seated in heavenly places. When I push him up in praise, he pulls me up in honor. Oh. Jesus. I'm going to write me a book. When I push him up in praise, he pulls me up in honor to be seated with him in heavenly places. You have to understand that. We just read it there. Jesus, he pulls us and we've got to cling. You got to hold on. Do you know, I remember Brother Kilpatrick saying this years ago. I think this is public. I think I've said it here, so oops. But years ago, 1995, I remember I got a phone call the first part of that year, February, March, and, and his mother, who we called Big Mama, had died, and he said, Randy, come home and do the funeral. So I flew into Pensacola, and I did the funeral. What I didn't know at that time is that he'd been going through a year or longer through what we call the dark night of the soul, or burnout, and he had a really rough time. Through that time, he was contending for revival. He was crying out. Out of that storm of burnout that drove him into desperation, God came walking on the waves. The storm that you think is going to destroy you may be the very thing that brings God to you. So, He's been struggling, then his mother dies, and he was close to his mama, and so it was a tough time. That May, he had contacted his superintendent of the West Florida District of the Simmons of God and said, I may be leaving Brownsville, and I want you to help me find a church. He had reached the end of his rope, and he was ready to quit. The morning, Father's Day, June the 18th, 1995, Steve Hill is there. He's going to be speaking that morning, and John decided, I'm not going. It's Father's Day, and I'm burned out. I'm grieving over my mother, and I have 
had it. And he said, I'm going to stay home. But for a little girl that he was going to give her daddy the father of the year award, and he couldn't do it to that little girl. From the, from the lips of babes, let praise be perfected. So he went to church. And because he went, thank God, he was there on Father's Day when revival broke out. So he made this statement. When you come to the breaking point, when you're at the end of yourself, and you're just at that point and you're just ready to give up and quit, that is when God typically moves. We always say, why does God linger? I'm not telling you he's late. He's always right on time. But for me, it appears that he's never in a hurry. It's always when you're at the verge of quitting and giving up. And so I'm here saying to you in this house and online that as the scripture says, you got to cling to him. You got to cling to him. Don't you let go because when you push him up in praise, he's going to pull you up in honor. You can't let go. Remember the old song, hold to God's unchanging hand. Time is filled with swift transition. Naught of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. You've got to hold on when it gets tough. You got to hold on when the night gets dark. You got to hold on when everyone else is quitting and walking away. You got to hold on. When everyone else has scattered like sheep without a shepherd, you got to stand your ground with him. You've got to hold on. Don't let go of God's unchanging hand. You can't quit now. Hold on. You may weep for the night, but joy is going to come in the morning. You've got to hold on, cling to his hand. Verse, the verse we read, just 14a, it said cling. Cling to what you know to be true. You've got to hold on. There are times in my life when the, I have literally been in my home. I remember one, one day in uh, Pensacola, I was in the living room. I was home by myself and I was walking around praying. And I was right in the middle of that fight. And I'm praying. And as I was praying, I could sense and see shadows shadows coming around me shadows the enemy will come in to try to intimidate you and oppress you and and get you to quit and give up and that you gotta hold on cling to god's unchanging hand hold on verse 14 the latter half he said and now god sympathizes with us in our frailty he sympathizes. That word sympathize, it means a union and the experience of pain. Sympathize. I like the word empathy because for me, empathy means I feel with you, where sympathy means I feel for you. But here in the Greek, sympathy means what we call empathy. It means to, to, to feel, to, to experience that pain together, to experience it together, a union so you need to know this, that hand that you're holding on to, the unchanging hand you hold is a scarred hand. It's a scarred hand. He said, cling to Jesus. Cling to everything you know. Be, be, hold on to what you know is true. When everyone else may be denying him, when everyone else is backing off, don't you back off. Hold on. 
And realize, you've got to realize that that hand that you're holding on to is scarred. It's scarred. That's why Romans 8 means so much. Who shall, shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? No! He's been through all of it! He gets it all! He was tempted in every way that we've been tempted. He's a high priest that is moved by the infirmities of his people. You can hold his hand. There are some people that will take you by the hand that don't understand you. There are some people that will take you by the hand that they don't understand what you're going through. There are people in this room that have been through, through things that I've never been through. I can sympathize, but I can't empathize. But I'm telling you, Jesus can. He'll take you by the hand and you've got to hold on because he knows what you've been through. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows how dark the night can be. He knows what Gethsemane feels like. He knows what it's like to be rejected and despised of men. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be lied on. He knows. He knows. That hand you're holding is scarred when everyone else around you will say, I just don't understand. He does. He does. Hold on. When you hold a scarred hand, you got to know that's a union of suffering. That's a union. That's a union. That's why it's so imperative that you bring out your testimony. The word testimony, as you know, in the Hebrew means do it again. Because when you share your testimony, when you share your testimony, you're holding a hand, and it's called the union of suffering. There's a story where a guy, he fell into a pit, and a doctor walked by, and he said, hey, doc, I fell down in this pit. Can you help me? So he writes out a prescription, and he throws it down to him, and he moves on. Then a priest comes by, and the guy says, hey, father, can you help me? I fell in this pit, and I can't get out. So he writes out a prayer, and he throws it down. And then he moves on. Then a friend comes by and he says, hey, Joe, I fell in this pit. Can you help me out? So Joe jumps down into the pit and he says, what are you doing? Now we're both down here. He says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. So you have to understand that the hand you're holding is a scarred hand. He knows the way out. He knows the way out. So cling because he understands. It's a scarred hand. Verse 16. Oh, we got to hurry. Verse 16. Here in our, in, our, in our story here, Hebrews, verse 16. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. Love is enthroned. Love is enthroned. How many of you, when you think of the throne room of heaven and you think of God's judicial mind, justice, righteousness, law, you think of love? See, there's our problem. Here in this translation, it talks about love is enthroned there. You see, your perception of God determines how he is able to respond to you. That's important. Your perception of God. How you perceive God will determine how that God is able to respond to you. If you think he's an angry God, 
guess what you're going to get? Think, guess what you're going to miss out on? But if you see him as a loving father, then guess what you get to partake of? Your perception is important. Go back to the song, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. Trust in him who will not leave you. Whatsoever years may bring, if by earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to him cling. He will not leave you. Think of that. Earlier, I said to you, you got to hold on. But now I would say to you, God is holding on. We sing the song that when the night holds on, God is still holding on to me. You have to, you have to realize that if there's a divorce in this relationship, it ain't going to be on his part. If there's a breakup, it ain't going to be because of him. I believe that I'm eternally secure. As long as I choose to be, I'm eternally his. As long as I hold his hand, I know he'll never let go of mine. As long as I hold his hand, he ain't never going to let go of me. I am his stuck with me. I am his. It's like Jesus turned to the disciples and said, are you going to leave me also? And they turned and said, where are we going to go? You got it. I mean, you're the only hope we got. He went on to say, in, in verse 16, you've got to receive mercy's kiss. And you've got to discover this grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Mercy's kiss. I'm out of time. Uh, Stephen, you're going to have to come help me. We need to receive mercy's kiss. The word mercy here in the Greek means tender. It means goodwill towards the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. Tender and goodwill towards you. Holy Spirit dropped in my heart that we're in a season of an open door policy where God is saying, come on in. You're in a storm but I want to make myself accessible to you. But he also dropped in my spirit that during this time, your trouble intensifies his tenderness. Your trouble intensifies his tenderness. Hmm. You say, Pastor, I, I struggle with comprehending the tenderness of God that comes out of your relationship with your earthly father. And we've preached on that many times, so I won't linger there. But let me give you this statement. Our heavenly father is better than what we think. So we need to change the way we think. Our heavenly father is better than what we think. So we need to change the way we think about him. He's tender. He's a tender, loving father. So, uh, and you have to know that when we better understand God's fatherhood, we better understand who we are as the sons of God. When I better understand him as a father, I better understand myself as a son. And my father is tender towards me. A tenderness in his heart. That is called the kiss 
of mercy. Tender. Tender. And I can tell you this. The greater the trouble, the more tender our Father. When my grandkids hurt themselves, as you do, and they're crying, and that moment their world is falling apart, Many times, I can't with Jude now, he's getting too big. But with the others, I'm still able to run over there and scoop them up and hold them, pull them close, and kiss away their tears. The Bible talks about God bottles our tears. Tears are unspoken prayers. Tears is what you do when the hurt's too deep to vocalize. I may kiss their tears away, but my heavenly father, he bottles them. He remembers each and every one. So right now, with everything that you may be facing, I want you to know that your father is tender. And there's a mercy kiss waiting for you. And he wants to kiss away your pain. You may still have to go through the trouble, but he wants to kiss away your pain. He's a loving father. And I really do believe that Holy Spirit sent me here today to help you better understand him. Because if there ever was a time when we needed a father, it's right now. So the word for today, number one, the Father's door is open. Revelation three, I've opened a door before you. I invite you in to spend some time with me. Number two, the greater your trouble, the more passionate his tenderness. Romans 5.20, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. I want you to know that you can go back into the Old Testament if you dig around and you can find little symbols and metaphors and glimpses of the future. How many remember, how many remember that you go, you know, from Jesus back to King David, Jacob, Leah, Okay, you, you come back. Remember Jacob, he married Leah, but he loved Rachel. You know what the Bible says about Leah? Now she was the one that had all the babies. Do you know what it says about Leah that would give birth to the lineage of the Messiah? The Bible says she had tender eyes. Tender eyes. God chose her because she better represented who he is. Tender eyes, loving eyes. She was a good mama. I want you to know this morning that your father, 
is better than what you think. And religion and preachers did that to you. I'm not talking about a cheap grace or a sloppy agape, but I'm talking about my father that has tender eyes, that has a, a kiss of mercy, that cares about you. And in this time, in this time, I believe as the world is slamming doors and isolation and quarantine and trouble and stuff and businesses are closing down and people's finances are in question and all that's happening and you hear all the noise in this house, in God's house, I believe there's an open door. And he invites you to come into his private place. He wants to make himself vulnerable to you and reveal himself to you. And he wants you to know that the greater your trouble, the more passionate his tenderness. He is the God of tender eyes. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.